Welcome to Know That, a deep dive into the week's Real Housewives episodes, where we offer our humorous, insightful, and unfiltered opinions. I'm Anthony Casella. I'm Donnie Hatfield-Smith. And I'm Quentin Lamar. And this is Know That, a Real Housewives podcast. Hi. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Good. Hey. The lives that we do with Hot Topics are so fun. They are fun. I mean, getting us all there is half the battle. And I say that as the person who's responsible for getting us all there. But I think the people like it. They like to see a a blooper reel. (laughs) Yeah, I would say this week, our second week, definitely improved. Would I say that? I wanted to say it improved upon last week, but I don't know that I kept Quinn out for seven full minutes last (laughs) week. No, maybe not. I feel like last week was a smoother start, but then once we were all in, then it got patchy. Like my internet went out and stuff. But this, once we were all in, it was smoother. That's yeah, true. I agree. <laughs> it was better this time. It's just because like I requested to join and then it didn't let me. So like I don't really think it's even your fault. I think it's oh, okay. Instagram's fault. Let's go with that. Let's we go don't with make that. mistakes here. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, sometimes we'll have, I mean, I want to say user, but (laughs) sometimes we'll have problems getting everyone on. Other times we'll have, you know, no problems getting everyone on and the audio won't be great. I think the phrase is you can't have it all. So (laughs) So I've heard that before. Yeah. We we do with what we can. Our guest is almost here, but before he arrives, did anyone do anything fun this week? I was on the Sex Unique podcast, which Ooh, was a lot yeah. of fun. So that should be dropping soon, I guess. You had to talk about... I don't know. I don't know how Summer they do House. things over there. Yeah, so if you want to <laughs> hear my opinion on Summer House, then go ahead if you're not tired of hearing me already. <laughs> you know. To give people a sneak peek, did you enjoy Summer House? I got overly invested in Summer House very quickly. I watched probably eight episodes in the course of like maybe 36 hours. Oh, wow. And, and I mean, like in one sitting, it was like, not like four and four, it was like six and two. So I only stopped because I was, I had to stop. There were no more. <laughs> Anthony, what about you? Not as, not as fervently because there weren't as many episodes to watch, but I got hooked and kind of caught up with as the limited series was ending on the real world homecoming. I loved it. I was young when the original New York first season of the real world aired. I had like an understanding of who the people were. I knew the major players like Heather and Eric and Julie um, and like kind of some of the major fights, like the fight that um, Julie and Kevin have outside. Um, That's because we're all still having those fights. Exactly. And that's why homecoming is so good because they're all kind of, kind of different, old, different from where they were and who they were, but also similar. (laughs) Um, What is sad about homecoming is the same way that they were discussing the race relations in 1991 and 1992. Those conversations haven't really changed. Yeah. In 20, 30 years, 30 years. Oh, white people still here. So, (laughs) yeah, they are. 
but it's great. I would recommend it, it to anyone who might not even be familiar with the original run, but it was really good. It was like, like a nice- me. Yeah. I knew yeah. nothing about the original run, except that I knew Eric was hot because <laughs> he was on like the challenge and stuff, but he's really the only one I knew. Um, but they do a very good job at framing it around the old show. So you can go into it not knowing much. All right, we have Anthony Lario in the house. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm really of excited about course. it. Hi, thank, thank you for, for coming. Being here. Okay, yeah. so we got two Anthony's. Which one's going to be Tony? <laughs> Listen, I am not. I'm not a I, Tony. I'll, I'll do Tony. That's fine. <laughs> okay. I've been I've been called Tony. That's 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 all right. All right. Okay. Good. <laughs> because Anthony was said, my house, my rules. <laughs> Anthony I made it clear a- when I met him. He was like, I'm not a Tony. I'm an Anthony. <laughs> I was like, okay. That's right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Anthony here, Quinn I, was Anthony ready to one. torment you all week. As soon as he found out Anthony was our guest this week, he said, oh, I'm going to call Anthony Tony. So, <laughs> Well, it, it's actually funny because when, when my mom gave birth to me, she uh, um let's take it way back we're we're taking it back i don't remember this obviously but one of her (laughs) friends uh got like a custom painted toy chest that said tony's toys on it and she was like go fucking fuck yourself i don't fucking call my kid tony and (laughs) sent it back (laughs) wow (laughs) that short story told us a lot about your mother (laughs) yeah Oh, my God. Feel free to drop as many stories about your mother in this podcast <laughs> as you want. Now, well, now she feels bad about it, obviously. <laughs> then my friends started calling me Tony, and she can't tell all them to go fuck themselves. So oh, She could. Oh, yeah. yeah Hindsight's 2020. You know, I watched my mother punch a woman in the face for giving her incorrect change. She's really broken <laughs> up about that now, too. So. <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> Anthony, no, I she, just... She's not. I just want to. I just want to never get your mother um, for like a secret Santa. <laughs> oh my God, she's the worst to give. No, you're actually correct in that because she's the worst to give gifts to. Regardless, Sa- of sounds like things. it. Yeah, it's. So awful. I don't want to make any assumptions, but um, she's Italian. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> she is from South Philly. There she is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got wow. a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's real Italian. She's like real Italian. I know. We watch the Jersey Girls and she's like Tedessa. Just a freaking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah, she does it. She does all the things. Oh, I love that. (laughs) She does all the things. So before we get into our shows, Anthony, tell everyone about your show. Sure. So uh, my podcast is called Shit Show from Authentic Podcast Network, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever. And basically, it's just we bring on guests. We've had some Housewives guests. We had Dolores of Jersey and Margaret and Brahman of OC, and they just come and they talk about their shit shows from adolescence till now that, you know, made them into who they are. Love that. Mm-hmm. That is fun. Yeah, it is a lot yeah, of cool. Fun. So that's actually a perfect segue. We're already on the topic of shit shows. Let's jump right into Dallas. So so we start the episode with Deandra apologizing to Brandy about the article. All the women kind of say that the tabloid like baited her into sound bites and like a headline, whatever. And Deandra apologizes. I still don't think she did anything wrong. There was no reason to apologize. 
Deandra, this whole season has hasn't really needed to apologize for much. And I think it's another one of those cases that like if the other women are don't like you, like in your cast, like and and you, the audience is not reacting the same way. It's like a tough season to watch because the show can only dictate what the other women think about somebody. Right. So it's difficult. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I don't think Deandra should have apologized either. I understand she was going on a trip with them and <laughs> had like arrived to go on a trip to film for a few days. So apologizing was like in her best interests. I guess a better way of saying it would be, I don't think she did anything wrong. I mean, I thought she was just kind of like hyping up the show, almost kind of being a little bit of a muscle for Brandy, being like, well, of course Brandy is going to take it head on. You know, we're strong. Like, that's what I thought she was kind of doing. Um, I didn't really think she said anything out of school. And I say that as someone who I never thought I would find myself loving Deandra, but this entire season, every single like shade of hers working for me. Yeah. 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 Between her, between editing this season and between her stealing Leanne's storylines and making them her own, she's really likable this year. I don't know what the protocol is for like protecting your friends against racist comments. <laughs> so I don't understand that at all. You know, Deandra didn't do anything wrong. Brandy did something wrong that she should still be apologizing for. And that should have been the end of it. I can't understand the privilege of doing something like that and then expecting people to be, to be in your corner afterwards. I don't, my, my black will not allow me to understand. (laughs) I think frankly, none of them really have the range. Like they, they even, you know, obviously Deandra too, like none of them have the range to, to stand up for, for anything. And it's, it's like jarring and it's weird. And since they were like the racial crusaders for Carrie, I find it so odd that they've fallen down on this job. It's almost like that was more about getting Leanne off the show than it was about <laughs> weird <laughs> than about sticking yeah. up for the racism from a white lady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and on a shallow note, um, Deander's never looked better. Oh, like, she looks there incredible. Are, there are shots. She was, yeah, like, driving yeah, an RV really, with a full face of makeup. Yeah, there's one quick shot where she walks into Stephanie's home. I forget before they're getting ready to leave, and like they're all clearly like annoyed with her. And Deander just looks over and she just like, yeah. And like shrugs a little bit. And I'm like, you're beautiful. <laughs> I agree. I, I said that several times. I was like, she looks damn good. I love She's a good. very attractive. She's yeah, very she attractive is. woman. Someone. Uh, <laughs> am I going to get canceled for saying this? Maybe. But we love a good joke here. Someone that couldn't really see that <laughs> Deandra looked great is Brandy. Because we find out she's legally blind in one eye. Now. <laughs> what a way to find out. That's like. What do I had no? Did anybody know that? I didn't know that. No, here we are. I did not know that. Learning things like this as she's driving. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I would not feel comfortable letting Brandy drive a truck of that size in general. And I I don't know. It's not like tied to anything about like female drivers or anything because I sure (laughs) shit couldn't drive it myself. But to find out that that little like. Pippi Longstocking's cosplay Chucky doll is then blind in one eye is horrifying. It was, yeah, it was it was hilarious. I'm sorry. I, I I didn't know what to say. Like at first I thought she was joking because you know I think that Brandy's like you can't take her serious, but 
Then, like, when they did, like, the eye test and then she failed it, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) What do you do with that? I just feel like there's something about Brandy, though, because, like, if I'm going to be honest, this season I've, like, dipped in and out of. I like to watch the YouTube highlights and, like, whatever. But she had this kind of, like, lightness about her that... And I'm wondering if it was like an editing thing because every time she had to be on Watch What Happens Live or at the reunion, she felt very like dark, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and so when you watched her on the show, there was such a stark parallel. And now that we obviously can see this year that she's not being the best, that same darkness that she has when she's on Watch What Happens Live or at the reunion is shining through here. And she's just not, she's zero value added. Also, Brandy seems like someone who struggles with feeling like she's worthy of things. I think we see it. This is not like an excuse for any kind of behavior. It's just like something I feel like I I observe. We, we see it bubble up a lot when Cameron makes or has made comments about Brandy being like trashy or Mm. comments that make Brandy feel like I see her dropping into this place where she feels like she is not worthy of things because of maybe where she came from or what her background is. And I feel like we see that heaviness or darkness, like Mm. cloak her sometimes depending on like the situation or the scene. Absolutely. So, Brandy has a little bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it would be tough for, I mean, I don't really know how much money Mr. Brandy has, but I feel like Brandy's living. <laughs> Mr. Brandy. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Brandy. I don't know how much money Mr. Brandy has, but Brandy's definitely living a lifestyle that she probably is certainly wasn't accustomed to growing up. And it's probably a big disconnect for her. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why if we like try to Dr. Phil her, I think that's why she was the cheerleader because it is very like lifetime movie. Here's this girl from the wrong side of the tracks and like under or close to the poverty line. And then she finds a way to like be in with the cool girls by being a cheerleader. Yeah. She's like a wannabe ladybird coupled with like faux christian superiority complex where she doesn't feel the need to take accountability for anything because as long as jesus forgives her that's all that really matters yeah Yeah, and there's always certain groups of people that no matter what she can always look down on so (laughs) i mean that's how that works yeah there's a reason why there's so much you know contention between people of color and people like her in the south i mean yeah. Makes sense. So moving on to, there's not even a segue for this. Stephanie planned this trip with Bigfoot hunting, and she thinks that Bigfoot is one of the seven wonders of the world. She knows two more, the pyramids and something else. Do you know the seven <laughs> wonders of the world? I do not. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I know Bigfoot's not one of them. Yeah, I don't know them, but I know Canada's not one either. <laughs> Well, as I told Donnie, I learned most of the seven wonders of the world from a little educational film called Overboard, (laughs) where Goldie Hawn very politely lists them for you. (laughs) So, like, if you don't know, you know, you can figure it out. She's like, you know, the St. Basil's Cathedral, the Parthenon. She she goes on. It's it's educational. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's the video that all substitutes used to play. (laughs) They should. Engage the children. You can get it at the library. It's cheap. I feel like Goldie Hawn would probably be a better teacher than most of the 
most of the teachers we have. Hashtag just kidding. Hashtag shout out to teachers. Hashtag teachers matter. <laughs> I know I will learn more if Dolly Hall was my teacher. <laughs> Good morning, Muhammad. Um, <laughs> so I'm unhappy, Maurice. <laughs> This is the part of the show where we just quote Goldie Hawn for five minutes. I gave him everything he has and he wants more. <laughs> Anthony, this is where the Zoom takes its mask off and we reveal ourselves to be a first wife <laughs> or a first wife podcast. So the, the housewives, it's a front for like the truth. Yeah, it's yeah. a front. And I think I'm proof that the only way the first wives club, one of the only ways it could have been better is if Stalker Shannon had never died and if Whoopi Goldberg had been one of them. Oh, so Ooh, Ooh, that's interesting. Whoopi would have been incredible in that movie. I always felt that Diane was Diane Keaton was the weakest part of it. I, I think we can say that for any of her films. <laughs> Daddy's just, not a Diane Keaton fan. Let's no, see. I prefer Mandy Moore playing Diane Keaton like she does in This Is Us. <laughs> Why are they always trying to make Diane Keaton sing? There's so many things where they try to make her sing. And she, and she does not want to. No. She, you can so t- they they faked laryngitis. And because I said so for Diane Keaton. <laughs> and like they wrote that in, but that also made her sing. She just doesn't want to sing. She can't sing. Why do they, why do, they do that? said very close to a century to sing if she wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, she hasn't. So leave the woman alone. She don't even look like she can sing. Anna, like not Anna even did. Carol King sing. On a different note, I hope Diane Keaton is singing a very different tune after I finished watching Alan versus Pharaoh. <laughs> oh my God, I'll watch that too. That was disturbing. Oh, very, God. very disturbing. I'm sorry to take a swift right, but. <laughs> but wait, what were we talking about? I don't remember. <laughs> the first wife's club. Oh, okay. Wait, to take it back, my favorite line from the movie, though, is pizza. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry. All right. So <laughs> let's move on while we still can. The rest of Stephanie's trip included <clears throat> picking shoes out of a bag to pick your roommate, a redneck relay race, making hot dogs on wire hangers, Dr. Pepper biscuit donuts, fly fishing, and Bigfoot hunting. And my question is, is this what we're going to see from Real Housewives of Nashville? I've never seen more. I don't even know how to finish that sentence, but I've never seen it. I know. It, that, sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like purgatory. It sounds yeah, awful. Yeah, it's awful. What was interesting about the Dr. Pepper biscuits was that she explained how to make them. I think we saw her make them. And when that scene was over, I did not know how to make them. <laughs> Like I couldn't put, I couldn't wrap. She's like, you take the dough, you, you let it soak in Dr. Pepper. You set it aflame. Like I couldn't get the steps. I didn't know what she was saying. Uh, it made my teeth hurt. I don't know where, I don't, I don't understand where we got to the point where doing these trashy things were like, you know, cultural and cute. I don't understand that. Would have, would use an actual like fire, like, you know, fire pit fork. Would that really have taken away? Did it have to be co-hangers? It's this whole, I don't know what to call it. This, this. Like glorifying white trash. Uh, uh, yeah, which is like, I find that very strange. Like you don't even want to be white trash. So why are you going back to it? Like it's, yes. if I have a mansion and I'm frying chicken and I'm eating cornbread and I don't know if I start decide to start dancing to Anita Baker, I want to do those things. Right. Everybody wants to do those things. I don't get it. <laughs> 
Quinn, I just don't it's understand like that. Quinn, it's like this weird thing. And I was thinking about this the other day too, because like from where I'm from in Jersey, the the guys, the the straight white guys end up being like one of two things. Like, and mind you, like we have no southern influence here at all. Like maybe southern Italian influence, like Sicilian, but like nothing from the American South. And but boys from here either end up being like, you know, guidos and suits or like somehow like country. And I don't know like where that pipeline like happens, but it's like the same thing. It's like glorifying like the hot dogs on a stick and like all of a sudden they're in jean ripped jean shorts and like fishing. And I don't know why, but they're like proud of it where but they're not even from the South. So I don't understand it. Yeah, and that's what it reminds reminds me of. It's strange. They were they were like a few minutes away from like hanging. You know when like when poor cartoons run away and they have sticks with bags like a bundle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they were a few minutes away from that. Well, we didn't see the second half of the trip. If that RV breaks down, we might see it on the way back. <laughs> I just don't get it. I mean, you rich. We already know you hate poor people. It almost seems just like really like you know evil almost. Like it's. It's strange. Especially, Maybe it was a production thing that they set that up. Did they do oh. the chicken shit bingo too? Because it's been a <laughs> very, very trashy. Like Stephanie Holman has shown me that she has nothing really of value to offer. Hmm. And I feel like she's trying her best to do so. I don't, I don't personally, I don't understand it. I, she couldn't redecorate my locker room. I'll tell you that much. so someone else that didn't like this trip was carrie and when she got drunk she started swinging a machete around they all called it a knife but what do we expect from them and then she was rude to charles poor charles he just came with his lace front beard wanted to teach these women how to hunt a bigfoot and she came for his throat and she was really hard on him for being a hunter because I don't like hunters, she said, but she was eating hot dogs. So we have no, we know she has no problem with meat. That's different. She didn't hunt that hot dog. I hate when people try to make that false equivalent. No, she but somebody did. Nobody hunted that hot dog. That hot dog was manufactured out of like chicken beaks and claws and what they didn't <laughs> want to eat at that Chinese restaurant with Tiffany. Nobody hunted anything. That's usually what's left over. Well, and even so, I'm yeah, not done yet. Even so, <laughs> eating something like that, that's like produced, like whether it's beef or whatever, eating what you need is not the same as going out and killing deer. Yes. Unless you're going to eat all of those deer, unless you're going to eat everything that you kill, and we all know that they don't always. Wait, wait. Okay, so wait. Charles says he does eat everything he kills. Oh, yeah. he but... looks like he does, but most people don't. <laughs> like people don't do that. Like the yeah, but she was coming for game, Charles. To... But yeah. she said hunters. Period. So like, I know it's not the same as going and killing a lion, but people who go and kill lions and rhinoceroses and elephants, they don't eat them. They're no. hunting for sport. So I don't think that's the same thing. Yeah, to walk away from the hot dog, Carrie is not a vegetarian. So she in her life has has eaten meals that people have hunted. I mean, leave Charles alone. This ain't, it ain't that deep. Just sit there. Until I see who Charles voted for in 2020 and 2016, (laughs) I don't give a damn about Charles. You're you're being a real Carrie apologist right now, and I don't understand why. 
Oh, I don't like Harry, but <laughs> thank you. I needed I mean, you to refresh that for a second. I happen I happen to not like hunters either. So we just have a <laughs> we have a very we have a, a, a an alliance in this one. So I, still think, <laughs> I still think she was rude and horrible. Like I wouldn't have said those things, Sam. Yeah. Well, so so like going back, like Quinn, like what you said about Stephanie, and I find I've never been like a giant Dallas fan, but I had seen from the Instagram pages and everything that people, you know, did that thing that they do sometimes with housewives where they make them like untouchable like stephanie was like untouchable and like people loved her and then last season um carrie i kind of felt like was and but i'm confused because what did anybody actually like ever like about them in the first place like tangibly like what were their good qualities i'm not sure but what i think tony is that now with tiffany on the show we have a real minority and I think a lot of that immunity came off of Carrie. Yeah. I do think, yeah, in terms of Stephanie, I think she portrayed herself as sweet and likable in the beginning. So I think that she just played us. But Carrie, I think because Leanne was like the bad guy last year, we were supposed to like side with Carrie. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, these last two seasons of Dallas have really turned the show into something else. I think it made a mistake when it decided to get rid of Leanne and not offer her, in the way that it did Brandy, a road back to like being accepted by the fans again. Because I feel like Leanne was Dallas in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I just don't understand why they're offering Brandy that grace and not Leanne. Yeah. Maybe it's because they didn't want to lose Leanne and Brandy. Because I Brandy's not my favorite person now, but I do see the value she had in the show. I think Brandy can be a lot of fun. I think at her best, she is good TV, but that's not enough to combat what this controversy she's found herself in. So yeah. losing two of those people, that's to that I don't think Dallas can take that. Right. I also forget when it happened, but I think we're missing the presence of Carrie Duber. I was well. just going to say, is it possible that when they got rid of Carrie Duber, they uh, got rid of like kind of a wedge narrative driver who kind of could bob and weave in and out of storylines and make things happen without being too controversial and too uppity? I think so. And Carrie was also an interesting flavor because she was from the East Coast. So Mm. there was a lot of that kind of cutting to the heart of something and not this weird like pussyfooting around that the other women do. I think losing Carrie and Leanne, and I don't think it happened the same. I know it didn't happen the same year, but having them both not be full time or losing them so close together is something that I think the show has stumbled for tiffany saved it like if we didn't have tiffany this year i'm not sure where we'd be (laughs) but think of the show we could have if it was tiffany leanne carrie and two or three others i I agree with that of course my dream is to move tiffany to atlanta like i just wish she would like i'm gonna work at the cdc and just go to atlanta (laughs) um i would love that so sorry to 
jump back on topic. I mean, that was on topic, but <laughs> back to my outline. Carrie was not taking ownership of being rude to Charles, and she didn't want to apologize until she found out she made Stephanie cry the night before. So then she goes on a little apology tour around the kitchen and manipulates Stephanie into forgiving her. She, like, really victimizes herself. And then Stephanie's like, no, it's okay. And that's where we end the episode. Classic Carrie. I mean, I feel like Stephanie, Carrie only cared, and who knows if she really cared, Carrie only understood that she had to offer some kind of action that looked like she cared when she heard that Stephanie was crying, when she was sad. But why wasn't it enough to do something or to apologize when Stephanie very kind of firmly the next morning said what you did was wrong. Like it's interesting how when Stephanie was assertive, it didn't even register with Carrie, but it wasn't until there were like, I don't know, emotions or something that Carrie could identify in Stephanie that felt like wounded or something that Carrie could swoop in and make it okay but Carrie was resistant to making it okay when Stephanie was just very direct. Yeah, Carrie was think, right? Yeah. I think that's indicative of like a very specific personality type that like when you firmly try to express to them in like a healthy way that they did something that's wrong, they take that as like um like an assault on them. And so they like need to either defend themselves or like they don't see value in your opinion because you're not crying. So then you almost have to manipulate them by feigning emotion to like get anything out of them. And that's just like a toxic cycle to be in with somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. I know this is I've- um this is an audio podcast, but Anthony, I like your setting because the <laughs> the lights I know on it's the awful. Wall- no, no, no. The lights <laughs> on the wall are a little distorted. So it's kind of like they're bleeding a little bit everywhere. And it looks like you're in a club. Oh, okay. <laughs> or like underwater maybe I am. or something. <laughs> or underwater. <laughs> or maybe. I think another part, I think for the first time I saw, I felt that Carrie was kind of like being a woman of color. Like that was one of the first time I was like, you're being too real. You're keeping it too real for these women. Mm. They don't keep it real like this. You got to, you like bring that in a little bit and i think she was probably drinking and it came out and then she just like i think a lot of carrie and i'm not apologizing for her (laughs) but i think a lot of it is that she's out i think she has a bit more of a tough skin and she's opinionated than a lot of the women in the cast so she'll like cut you to the quick and say something and think you should be able to process it and not cry i could see that Hmm. The big the Bigfoot stuff looked like fun. I mean, when they were in, in the dark screaming, scaring each other, I said, that looks like fun. Like, Donnie, we'd have a blast in the woods at night. Like, come on. In- incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I love that kind of like scary sh- stuff. Uh, like, that's like Halloween kind of to me. Me too. If I know yeah. I'm safe. Like when we did it in that dorm, Anthony, with <laughs> Anthony and I once... <laughs> I worked at a college and when the like students all left, the whole building was empty except for me, Anthony and two friends. And we turned off the lights and one of him, one of them chased the three of us around with the bat. So like <laughs> that is fun for me. But when we walked through that dark path in fire Island, that was not because I felt like I could really be murdered. Yeah. That's real. It's not a simulation. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I'd feel in these woods too. <laughs> that's true. 
I think because there would was like a camera crew around, I feel like it would be like a good mix of both. That's true. Like, <laughs> I would just run behind Dan with a camera on his on his shoulder. <laughs> but that's all white nonsense. I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move to more white nonsense. Anthony, take us to Jersey. Sure. Let's go back to Jersey and specifically Tom's River, where the women are on their eighth episode of a trip at um, Del- <laughs> at the shore at Dolores's home and Melissa's home, uh, respectfully, respectively. So there's kind of like three acts to this episode. And the first one is very much a tussle between Marge and Jennifer who have kind of been like circling each other, like animals the last few episodes in a lot of ways with comments and like not seeing eye to eye with some things, but while discussing red flags for Teresa when Teresa embarks on her dating journey, Jennifer says, quote, don't let him curse at you, and says she was shocked at how uh, Marge talked to her husband during that blow up at dinner at Dolores's and says that that is not how Jennifer says that is not how I talk to my husband. Thoughts on, on this, I guess, any part of it. I I think Jen's compass is just so like she's in like the North Pole and like everybody else's compass is somewhere else. But unfortunately, there are I mean, it's scary to think about. There's a lot of people that have the same, I guess, quantitative versus qualitative rationale that she has about things. And I kind of lost all respect for any opinion that she had on anything for forever when she like really blatantly victim shamed Margaret and just didn't understand the dynamics of like abuse of power in, in that kind of situation and (sighs) slut shamed her. And I think that's indicative of probably a lot of Jen's opinions about things. So I just can't take her seriously. Yeah. And I think marriages look different. So like, just because I mean, ideally, none of us should be like cursing at our spouses, whatever. But just because Jennifer doesn't doesn't mean that her marriage is perfect. And of course, we can like find things in her marriage that we don't do in ours and use that as the example. But I think Anthony said it perfectly that they were just going back and forth the entire time and looking for things about the other one. So I don't think Jennifer was right here. But I don't think she was wrong here either. Like, no, should Margaret have cursed at her husband in front of other people, especially? Probably not. But who is Jennifer to be the jury on that? Yeah, it's uh, it's not her business. Right. It's not Jennifer's business in that instance. I think that a lot of... I don't agree with what Jennifer said about um, Marge's experience. I do think that was out of line. I think she said it in retaliation to what Marge said. Yeah, And that doesn't excuse it, but I think that it's uh habit. Marge brags about being able to say things to people. And I think that she has to be willing to take that. And she doesn't seem like she can. And when you open yourself up and you tell that stuff and you're telling this story for whatever reasons you have to tell, people can use that against you. I feel like that's what Jennifer did. Culturally, there's definitely a difference between how they go about sex and how they go about marriage and all that stuff. My only problem is that I feel like they're both wrong. And this isn't the first time they've had issues like this, talking about each other's marriages or whatever. 
I just want more accountability for Marge. You can't go around pushing people's men in pools, talking shit about them. You get, you got to expect people to come back and it, they might not play fair, but that just is what it is. But then on that feel, note, who do you think holds Jennifer accountable besides Margaret? Because I feel like you could say the same about her. That's true. That Like, I don't think either one of them is right. I just feel that given this certain this situation and how this came out between them, where she was mad that Jennifer said, you know, what her husband had said himself, I feel like that rubbed me the wrong way. And then Mar- Marge, like, went straight for the attack to try to shut her down because she didn't like what her own husband said. And that kind of that colors my feelings about their issue overall, because I don't feel like that was something that needed to be done. Like don't shut her up for saying something that she knows it. And it's not her fault that her husband told her that. And we all know that it's true. They'll own the reunion that he lied and they have very different dynamics where Marge runs her relationship. Like Marge clearly is the one who is, I don't know, dating down. And I feel like, that's not the same issue with Jennifer and her husband. So it's like, you're not going to agree. So just don't bring that up. Don't talk about it. It shouldn't have gone there. I thought it was very disrespectful to say she was like his concubine. And she has five kids for this man. Like that's, I feel like they both should be very upset because they were both very disrespectful to each other. Yeah. I also think there's like a dynamic between Jen and Margaret that has like proved to be like, just as endearing as it is like volatile sometimes because and margaret's even said it herself on interviews and stuff that jen and her kind of have a big sister bratty little sister relationship i like specifically remember there was a scene where they were in the hamptons last year in that store and their dynamic was like cracking me up they were so funny together so i just think when it gets ugly it gets ugly like a kind of sibling rivalry type thing and it goes too far I also think that there's a certain candor and like temperature in Jersey about how they are allowed to speak to one another in comparison to like, for example, in like Orange County, when you when you saw that like back in the day when you saw like Tamara and Simon in the limo and how they were fighting with each other, it was incredible. Like, one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, <laughs> it's so real. Like, so I want a divorce. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But there's then there's a different candor from like Margaret's Margaret's cursing at Joe because it's not like it's not real, if that makes sense. Like it's part yeah. of their it's part of a positive aspect of their relationship in like a weird way. Yeah. You're saying he doesn't he's not he doesn't seem hurt by it. It's yeah. more just like, yeah, Joe that, signed up. He'll do anything. He'll take anything Margaret has to give him. The only time they'll break up is if she leaves. He is completely that's his choice. But it's like very clear who runs that relationship and for a woman like that and i i come from a woman like that (laughs) i can see why a woman like jennifer would gall her yeah yeah i agree with with all of this they both so yeah margaret yelling at joe none of jen's business none of none of her business in the real world within the confines of the show jennifer is on a show for it to be her business so it's Mm -hmm. like that plays with some different kind of things Definitely did not like Jennifer using Margaret's talking about and subsequently writing about in in her book being part of. Um, I don't even think Marge said it was a Me Too situation. It cer- she certainly didn't um, kind of 
tie any sexual assault allegations to it. But within that, even though this is something that might've been her decision, it's still, it's still as part of a power dynamic. That is something to be spoken about as a, as a lesson to be learned for other girls, like she said, and to have that kind of be dismissed as a messy moment, or I think sexing it up was the phrase that Jennifer used. Yes. It's a little disingenuous on the flip side of that. Definitely didn't didn't like when um, they discuss Marge saying that Bill is Jennifer's meal ticket. And Marge says, quote, your aspiration is to be a housewife and live off of your husband. Uh, And Jennifer tells her you like to belittle moms. The thing that I didn't like, aside from the actual comment about it, is when we get into territory like this, it always feels disingenuous to just disingenuous to me because Jennifer, it might not look like the way we think traditional work needs to look. But Jennifer is working on a show and getting paid for it. So to not have a way to acknowledge that feels like a lie to me. And as like a sophisticated housewives viewer, I don't (laughs) love, I don't love that. But any thoughts on, on what Marge said about Jennifer in relation to that specifically? The meal ticket comment, you mean? The meal ticket comment. I mean, I think that, listen... It's, uh, I think it's a lot of tit for tat. It's not nice. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she's like lying though. (laughs) I mean, obviously he's the father of her children. He's a lot more than that. But I think in the, in the restraints of the argument that they're working with, that's like a parallel that she could, that she whipped out. Yeah. And especially the storyline that we got last episode, that Jennifer told us herself where she used to go to this fountain or whatever it was and dress skimpy and like wait for men to look for her. That is basically just what Margaret is saying. And yes, you did find someone that like likes what he found so much that you are still together and you have five children together and that's wonderful. But much like on Dallas, Marge senior, you knew what you wanted and you went after it, but be honest that that's what you wanted. Yeah, Mama Dion Dallas, you mean? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, because it's an arranged marriage. And the first part of arranged marriage is gold digging. Like, that's literally yes. the cornerstone of it. Yeah. So there is truth to it, but there are certain things that, you know, it just, it's in poor taste to say. Like, for her to say that she was sleeping, for her to say Marge is sleeping her way to the top. I mean, that's not something that should be said. And we don't know exactly what's going on there, but that's like in the same realm of like kind of, you know, exaggerating a situation just to make it mean. It's, yeah, they are two different women that went about their lives two different ways and they ended up in the same fucking place. So that's what makes yeah. us even more ridiculous. But they're just playing dirty. And like you said, it's not nice and they should just move on. I said something nasty. You said something nasty. Yeah. No, I'm just saying like, you know, she belittled the Me Too movement possibly. And uh, Marge belittled, I don't know, the women's movement overall. Like the woman's mm-hmm. right to choose to be a housewife. Like you, those are two very important taste things to do. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with Jennifer wanting to be a mother and stay home. 
Totally. I, at a certain point, I don't think that either of them like really mean. I think it's rare on Housewives that like they're that they're just saying things to say them. And I think that there's no really like core to this disagreement. Like they're just mm. saying things to say them to yeah. hurt to hurt each other. Agreed. Which is like a very familial thing. I I think that makes sense. Let's move on to Melissa and Joe. So. After this dinner, I believe it is, drinks have been had and Melissa doesn't wait for Joe to kind of walk with him to the van after dinner. Um, This then kind of kicks up a conversation about how Joe feels Melissa has changed over the last few years in relation to her fame and her priorities becoming different. She has lots of events. There's lots of clothes to pick out for Envy. And he wanted more of a traditional wife and kind of envisioned a marriage that his parents had where kind of like the man provided and the woman stayed at home and took care of the kids and they kind of say maybe they are growing apart. Uh, before we get into more of that, thoughts on thoughts on that. And did you think this was real? No. Interesting. Why? I feel like everything that we see from them is like manufactured and fake. I don't believe anything that I see from Joe and Melissa. Whatever's really going on, we don't see it. I'm sure there's people who know are probably in the cast that know it, but they are very careful to curate what image they portray on that show and they have always i agree and especially because this ties into the earlier stuff like this is the same storyline as when she first started envy we were hearing joe say like you don't you shouldn't be doing that all this stuff so now this just seems like a stretching of that to me like we decided we're going to put this on the show let's continue to put it on the show yeah i i think that i what Quinn was saying, I, I've dabbled in thinking that, but also I do think there's like something so unbelievably like authentic though about Joey Gorga's like really volatile, intense, toxic masculinity that like I guess you can put it on like as an act if that's already who you are, but there's something so like painfully like gross about it that like if you are putting it on as as an act like good for you and your research and chops of how to act like a pig like that but to like a certain extent yeah i do understand what quinn's saying that he's been dropping easter eggs like from the beginning of the season how many times does joey gorga make a reference to the word man he's he's said it like a disgusting amount this year like almost every scene he's in he's like well you know we're men and like this is what men do and men do this and men do that and it's like okay i fucking get it it's almost like you're saying it so much it's like what are you trying to what are you proving yeah so I actually thought this was one of the rare instances that I thought this was real. And I thought it was real because they were at the dinner. They had, I'm going to assume quite a few drinks or enough drinks to be kind of like drunk and maybe a little irritated in the heat. Like I, there's something about it that felt authentic to me and the fight blew up over something so small that I feel like everyone's been in those fights where it's like 
it's something small and insignificant that sets it all up. And I also thought it was real because in the van, there's not a camera crew. There are just GoPros on Mm. the doors. So like, of course, these people might know that, but there was a lot of stuff that Melissa was saying, like, you're a spoiled brat and I've been putting up with this for years that we've never heard. We've never heard her say those things before. And I don't think like you were saying, Anthony, because uh, Joey Gorga is so masculine and so proud, that does not seem like something he would agree to represent. Yes. About himself on TV. I thought, I don't think they were mad that they had some kind of story, but I thought this was real. And I thought the way the cast reacted because we see it in the van and then like, we kind of see the van pull up in real time. We see them exiting and it cuts to then the crew capturing them getting out of it. Like when stuff is edited or produced for me, I could always feel the scenes. Like I, like it's quick cutting, it's editing, it's music. This was just like, I thought it was real. That makes sense. And then that would make sense too why the prank the next day would happen because then that is them self-producing again to get the conversation off of what really happened. Exactly. So this might have been a slip-up actually. Yeah. This might have been a slip-up in the feigned narrative that actually proved to be way more interesting than anything they could ever farce. Right. Yeah, I thought it was authentic and um, it was kind of the most interested I've been in what's going on in that marriage. Well, yeah. I mean, I have a controversial... I mean, I guess it's not controversial, but I do think that Melissa is so likable this year. And I've never been somebody who, like, really, really, really loves her or really really dislikes her i think it's evident and it's like memed all the time that she's faking her storyline etc but i do think that her explosion on Teresa with the cheese plate like thrown up in there and then cleaning it up that's such like a real jersey mom thing to do and like you know to make a mess it's it's like in that movie uh he's just not that into when she breaks the mirror and then cleans it up after like it's <laughs> such a real thing uh and and you know even in her interviews, like afterwards, like the way that she's kind of like distancing herself from like Teresa and like she has a nervousness about her that she doesn't usually have. Yeah. And I think that it's real. So then we, okay, that's kind of it from Melissa and Joe. I feel like they kind of, the Giselle realtor stuff. I don't love a prank. I, I'm done with like the the phone stuff. I'm good on that from <laughs> Jersey. I don't need to see it again. We did it with Joe and Teresa. We're doing it now with Melissa. I'm done with it. Um, we <laughs> we then move on to uh, No No's Memorial, which looked beautiful. It did. Tons of people there, though. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking that, too. I remember seeing those pictures on Instagram, like, yes. in real time and being like, m- when was that, like, June? Like, that yeah. was, like, really in, like, the thick of it. Yeah, there were just, like, buckets and buckets of people. <laughs> yeah, It looked beautiful. We saw um, we saw a photo of a young Nono. <gasps> so cute. out loud, 
I'm so sorry. Out loud, I said, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, no, no. He looked so cute. <laughs> he did look cute. Yeah, he he's cute. very, very handsome. Was no-no a, like, is, does he have a musical background of any kind? I'm not sure. Why? Because Unclear. them holding the rose petals in like those cones they that was sheet music and at oh. first i just saw everyone holding sheet music and i was like are these bitches about to sing i got nervous <laughs> I, I, I thought it was our diane keaton moment <laughs> i don't think no no has like a musical theater background <laughs> he was very he was very big into sondheim <laughs> I mean, I'll bet like my life on the fact that it was probably sheet music to he will raise you up on eagle's wings from the Catholic oh. church that they do on the things. And then <laughs> that makes sense. I thought I did it my way, perhaps. Yeah. A little, a Frank. Li- a little Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it was obviously very, very, very beautiful. And I think that it's like so sad when, when you really think about it. And I obviously we know that it's like at the crux of Teresa's character that her whole kind of unraveling and these realizations that I wish she would take with her in other areas of her life but you know that you know Joe really prevented her from having the time with her family that she really wanted and and deserved I guess I do think there's like an overused word that they use so much and it like drives me nuts and I think a lot of Italian Jersey people use it it's strong so it's like Jersey strong. We're strong. It's like at a certain point, I don't know if you're strong. You're just dealing with what what happened. Like, right. like you're dealing with the consequences of something that you did. And so, yeah, you can sugarcoat it and say like, yeah, you taught us to be strong, which I'm sure Nono did teach you to be strong. It's just like. Don't make it like it's some wild thing that you survived one year in jail. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, but you did it. It's over. Yeah. I never realized Quinn pointed out that white people do that just in general. And, oh, really? and yeah, before he said it, I would never thought. And then he like pointed it out. And now we do see a lot across the board about like, you are the strongest person I know. We hear that a lot. <laughs> yes. It's this weird, strong emphasis. And I'm like, they must be so proud of it. I, I guess like it's a valuable thing, but I've never like brought or looked at somebody. I'm like, you're so strong. Like it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. And it's also, um, it also feels like then people who struggle or maybe aren't so strong should be ashamed. Like it's, it's something a little like if you're not strong or something wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. It's the old school Jersey Italian thing, which is like so harmful. It's this pressure on being strong, even when that word is so muddled down and reduced and it's not actually strong. It's just dealing with your circumstances. And then if you open up and then you have like a Joey Gorga type being like, well, men, you know, well, men. And so it's just constant dystopian weird energy. And Joey Gorga is getting like worse with the like, ah, I gotta get a piece of that. Like, I think in the last, it was an awful Joe Gorga. In the last episode, I thought it was good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> in the last episode, um, he's like, what are you doing walking around like that? And literally just like took his like middle finger and his thumb and just like scooped Melissa's butt up. Yeah. And I'm like, this is like, what's happening here? <laughs> 
Yeah, um, I agree. He's getting a yeah. lot worse. It's, yeah. it's intense. I would also like now RIP no no. I've said this yeah. before. I would like to hear less about everyone who is best friends with Nono. (laughs) He was Gia's best friend. He was Teresa's best friend. He was the mailman's best friend. It's like, we get it. You miss Nono, Milo. Mm, No, I agree with you. No, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, oh, oh, no, no. No, no, you're not. On that note, we're leaving you here, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Leave me. Leave me here. (laughs) Let's move to Atlanta. Okay, so we start off Atlanta um, with Marlo apologizing at the Blaze taste test, and she apologizes, and Portia doesn't seem to care. And I think this is because Marlo is looking very, I don't know, fake. Like, she's she's doing this thing that is, like, kind of weird. And, I mean, I don't think Portia should care or really accept the apology. What do we think about that? I think it's disingenuine because she did it in front of all of these people. So it almost forces Portia to, it's like a public proposal. Like if you propose in front of big groups, the person being proposed to kind of has to say yes in the moment out of guilt at the very least. And then like later, you're like, no, I don't want to marry you. And I feel like that's what Marlo was trying to set Portia up to do by apologizing at this opening because you don't want to start trouble at the blaze taste testing and you don't want to start trouble in front of like candy's family and whatever so she apologized knowing that she could have called her in advance or brought cameras one-on-one in advance whatever but she did it publicly to manipulate her into a apology and portia could read her like a book she knew what she was doing yes she definitely could the food looks so good i want to go oh my god so good i'm like blaze me up honey When Cynthia was like, we need another lobster over here. <laughs> I was like, shit, me too. The mac and cheese. I was oh, like, fuck. Oh my God. <laughs> Looks so good. So good. I think that this season, especially like Portia with her one line, because there's very often that I feel like the the one-liners are really what makes Housewives. I feel like when they, they must be casting, they must do a one-liner test because the <laughs> amount of the amount of audio grabs that we get, Portia does the best job at her one-liners that they're authentic. They're they don't they're not Rina rehearsed. Right. They're they're <laughs> they're very authentic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Agreed. I will say before we leave, Blaze. Candy had a lot of nerve talking about other people eating too much. This is the first time I've ever heard her tell people to eat less. (laughs) (laughs) And it still didn't look like she was doing it herself. (laughs) So then Shamir brings up that she knows that Marlo got lipo before the trip. And that's why her back hurt, not because of the children jumping on it. One of my favorite moments from the whole episode. And Marlo clearly was not prepared with her lie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she was terrible at that um why do we think she lied about getting lipo when we know she's gotten lipo like twice before i think i know why actually because i don't think they were allowed to have elective surgery while filming <gasps> oh, the show right. while oh, filming wow. during the pandemic that's exactly what i as soon as i saw that scene she's like dancing around it it's i think that's why she didn't want the crew to find out Wow. Uh, her and Dolores were like, fuck it. We're getting our like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Also, that makes a lot of sense. Also, oh, um, wait, then what about Kenya? Kenya got the breast reduction on camera. Well, it's that's not always approved. Elective. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, like, you need to have that done. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it could be essential. I, I mean, okay, yeah, Shamia brings it up, and then Portia kind of gets on that bandwagon, like, Marlo's lying. But, like, what's the difference between Marlo wanting to have surgery and, like, lie about it so it's not on the show? And Portia, who it's, like, common knowledge that she had sex with Bolo, but is lying about it because she doesn't want it on the show. Like, it's just like in the same bucket for me. So it's like, let each other live. Yeah. It was and that's, tit for tat. Yeah, yeah. And that's why so many of these times, Portia is good with one liners. Well, never mind, cut that out because that doesn't even make sense what I'm about to say. But so many of these times, the women aren't fast enough on their feet to like think of that. Like, if mm-hmm. I was Marlo, I would have thought to say that. And then like when Jackie came at Teresa about jail, Jackie's parents were in jail. So like, why are these people with no leg to stand on throwing these things around? Yeah, it's weird. It's probably one of those things where like, once you're in the moment, you can't really think about it. And when you are discussing housewives for three (laughs) hours a week, you have a little more time to stew on them. Yeah. Makes sense. (laughs) Okay. So I guess we move on to Drew. (laughs) <laughs> she postposed her baby blessing because of all this drama between proper profit lot and Latoya's relationship, which is a is a bigger mess than Bolo and less interesting and far less visual. <laughs> um, Drew blames Latoya and her Delilah spirit, and later Profit Lot denies it, and Marlo has a good time with it. Now, before I get everybody's thoughts on this. This whole thing did not make me like Drew more. This was a really big tick in the other direction for me with Drew. You you guys want to say, Donnie? Yeah, I agree with you only because it was giving Latoya screen time. Like, Drew, just, just do yourself and, like, focus on your family unit, have fun with these women, shade these women, whatever, but... <clears throat> We're trying to move away from Latoya, and here you are giving her a storyline. It made me angry. Yeah, and I think that those are the types of tropes that happen very, very often on Atlanta, and they happen on Beverly Hills, too, and it holds the show completely hostage. That it's like whenever something is, it's a natural disintegration of a problem or an issue. And then it's maybe it goes back to what you said, how some can't think on their feet so quickly. It's like a rebuttal tactic, and it's Mm. just boom i know that they can use this in some way and it happens too often that makes sense yeah this story was profit not a lot for me and <laughs> it was not I profitable wrote, <laughs> i wrote Non-profit, down profit if you will <laughs> <laughs> that's the best one i wrote down this story is beneath me and beneath the show I just didn't care about this. I just did, I didn't care about it. It didn't feel I just didn't care. It didn't feel worthy of a housewife show. It felt like the producers pulled Drew aside and were like, "We need something to get us through to the finale. What can you do?" Yeah. And I feel like Drew unfortunately to use um a phrase from memes which I hate Drew understood the assignment. I just didn't like the class. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like it. I didn't want to see more Latoya. And also, I was like, 
let Latoya have sex with the prophet. Like I just, I, I felt bad for like defending Latoya, who I don't like. I just felt weird about it all. Get your and baby then baptized. Who cares? Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> and then it sucks even more because next week's the finale, so I feel like this is gonna take so much of that up. And then because it is the finale, it'll be left like open still. So then it's gonna take so much time out of the reunion too. Yes. They better not give that to Latoya. I don't want to look at her like that. It's not it's not interesting at all. Like I don't care if she has sex with Prophet Lot. I don't even care about Drew's baby's blessing. I mean, baptize oh. that baby when it's like not able to walk and move on. Like I don't I don't even get the point of that. No. Just, we don't need this church shit. Make a church reality show and put this in it <laughs> this yes. is not what i watch real housewives for right put, to put this on that what's that reverend who's like now trying to i, I don't care it doesn't matter i don't want to see it <laughs> i don't want to see it and i won't listen to it uh i agree with this stuff with with the church stuff i i i really don't like it in how housewives at all anything having to do with religion and also like drew's just like deflection of somehow like every, everything is kind of Latoya's fault to a certain extent. And it's becoming like very, she's relying on her. Right. And, yeah. and it's annoying. It, well, I do disagree. I, I do like the religious stuff in Salt Lake City. Mormon oh, yeah. stuff's okay. Yeah. This shit they can keep. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Joey's baptism or whoever's baptism it was. Season three of Jersey. That I'll accept. Oh yes, in the name of the, in the name of the Father. Season three, episode one. Well, in the name of the Father. I, that's iconic. That's iconic. That's, I mean, maybe we care more if it was like an actual housewife or or something. I, I just I can't, <laughs> I can't care about somebody who's a prophet. Like, where do you go to prophet school? Like, I don't know. I don't care. Well, what does that mean, though? Really, I, I still don't understand. Like a speaker of God, like a- yeah, he's I supposed think God to be a spe- prophet. Yeah, God speaks to him. Okay, and he spiritually guides people who are slipping on the path. Sound like so- Latoya slipped on that. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sorry, honestly, I he didn't to- even look like somebody Latoya would have sex with. So that was the the minute they opened that face, I was like, that did not happen. <laughs> No, I think if anyone would, it would be Portia. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like Portia's type. <laughs> oh, God. You're wrong for that, Donnie, but you're so right. <laughs> so next we move on to Kenya's titty reveal party, <laughs> which I've never seen anything like that in my life. But even more shocking than the titty reveal party itself was the lack of food or drink. Uh. What? That's just rude if you're going to have people at your house, honestly. And I would have thought Cynthia. she would have learned her lesson. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that. Is she being Such cheap? A... I don't know how it works. Like, if the show pays for stuff or not. So I, I don't, don't know it. either. I know she had to lose weight, and I feel like now she just took all food away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but if you're hosting something, we can't expect to be on your diet. I guess we can. You can. <laughs> like, didn't so. even have, like, a glass of... She got drinks, but, like, had to be told to. Like, truly didn't have anything. Yeah, when she asked what mixers we have, she's like, lemonade? (laughs) Some people are weird with that, though. Like, I have a friend, I have a couple like that, that it's like, like what she did with the crab cake sandwich, and like, it's just weird. It's like a fend for yourself type of thing, and it's like a weird food thing that you don't want to provide food for somebody. It's like a 
interpersonal communication thing. I don't know really why, but it's very so strange. weird. Very weird. And then we're supposed to believe that Nasty Mike has never motivated Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was Mike, more shocking than no food to me. That was extremely shocking. I don't. I believe that he's motivated her on both ends. <laughs> Mike is nasty, nasty. <laughs> so I don't believe that. Um, I don't know oh, what okay. Cynthia is trying to sell here, but she can shop it someplace else. <laughs> I liked when uh, Cynthia did the impression in the in the um, confessional. She went. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, knows she, she knows it's that's been done to her before. She knows it. <laughs> um, and then we have Mark and Kenya going into counseling. <laughs> I love when I know somebody's going into counseling and I already know how it's going to end. <laughs> <laughs> I think now I just want to see the footage. Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> but I just want to see the footage. And <sighs> I don't even understand what was the reason for it. Like, why do we think Kenya even wanted to do counseling? Like what, like when, cause Candy said earlier, like, what are you holding on to? What, is, what was Kenya trying to hold on to? I don't, I don't understand that personally. Does she want to end it on good terms so that, um, whatchamacallit, what's when you have the baby? Like joint <laughs> custody? Yeah, so custody isn't a problem? Possibly. That could be. I think it's something more than that, though. Because she could, like, get that. Like, first of all, as a mother, she'll automatically get a lot of that anyway. So I feel like there's more to it than that. Hmm. Do you think it's possible she just, like, actually really, really is in in love with him? (laughs) I like that none of us even consider that. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony's like, maybe she loved him. <laughs> but it's such it's such like a contrast to her character arc and and you know we do get range from her sometimes and I think that I think that it's very possible that that's just something that we're not familiar with about her and this is how she's expressing that vulnerability that she's not used to feeling. I don't know. I, I don't know what I feel about Kenya and Mark. I've never really been able to pin it down. It's not that I think that Mark is gay, but <laughs> I do think that he could have been paid to do so or be, so, I, I don't, uh-huh. there's something about Mark that just doesn't make sense to me. Is it and the nose ring? I can get past the nose <laughs> ring. I mean, he does live in Brooklyn. I can get past that. There's just something about him that just seems off. I see that. I still want to go to his restaurant though. Oh, me too. Is it open? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it closed down during the Didn't pandemic. It ha- it I'll rats, check. Right? They were delivering. Oh, yeah. Closed down to, for a little bit because of rats, but they were delivering to first responders. So that's nice. You still want to go to that rat restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay. I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's possible that Kenya is just having a hard time letting this go. And really, like the marriage to Mark, even though the relationship was different, represented something to her that she's having a hard time moving on from. Yeah, I mean, I think that Candy, like, well, she's a great question asker. Like, there's certain people that are, like, designated question askers on the show, and she's a very good one, but it really was, like, the $5 trillion questions. Like, why don't you just do it? Like, already. <laughs> like it's very, it's very cut and dry. We've had, like, seasons and seasons of, like, this multi-layered, weird dancing around it, and now it's, like, well, why? Yeah. Well, that's it for Atlanta. All right. Does anyone have any final thoughts about anything we talked about today? Well, I, I'll say that I think that um, this season of Jersey is probably one of the best, in my opinion, that we've gotten in a while. I recently re- randomly rewatched season eight when it was Margaret's first season mm. with Siggy. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was like a really crazy, like pivotal year in that franchise. Like I think that the addition of like Siggy and Dolores back then was pivotal. And then when Margaret came in, it really is like a, it's like a reboot. It's like the reboot that like OC needs in a way, like mm-hmm. it rebooted right there. Um, but even the style has changed so much of the show. Like there's so many more solo scenes back then. And, but I was watching and comparing it to this year and I was like, Jersey's done a really good job, I think, in comparison to the other franchises of uh, adapting into itself to this new wave of Housewives. And I think they're doing a good job this year. It just makes me nervous for next year because usually after seasons like this, it kind of goes back down a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to ride that wave when the show's like at its like doing great. It's hard to like keep it there for too long. Yeah, totally. Um, my final thought is I'm kind of worried for Atlanta. I, I don't, I feel like they need to figure something out because I was, where was the scene where they were all in the room at the end talking about, talking about the profit? The titty parties. Oh, at, um, Cynthia's black owned business. Yes. Yes. As at Cynthia's black owned business event, we had, like Cynthia, Candy, and then I guess what would be the nieces, <laughs> Portia, and then the, the Shamia, uh, and Latoya and Drew in the room. And I just felt like a real disconnect between the old timers, like the women who've been there a while, not kind of like being able to groove with Drew and Latoya. I mean, I'm not grooving with Latoya, <laughs> but I felt like there were, there's almost like two shows. It's like, there's like the show in the kiddie pool with stories I don't care about. And then like the older women are having trouble and it could all be like a symptom of a symptom of COVID <laughs> and like, they're not, maybe not into it, but I just felt like, I'm not sure like how this continues. Cause I felt like the season was tough for me to get through. Bolo was definitely a high point, but there weren't a lot of things that were like, compelling me from episode to episode i don't know if that's just me but i don't know how to fix it make marlo full time but even now she's getting thirsty she's i don't showing know artists. yeah like when we when we got portia and kenya a while ago in season five together that was like wow like those women were incredible you knew they were incredible from the start and they're still here i like drew I feel like we might need one or two older gals to help like spice up the legacy crew. I hate to say it, but we need Nini. Nini is being missed. I miss Nini. What what I wouldn't give to watch her plow down a cameraman. (laughs) No, there there comes a certain point where the longevity of like a character, like we saw it on like, like I couldn't stand Vicky at the end and then trying to watch this year was like, it just feels like a different TV show. And that's fine if it is. It's just, it's like inauthentic to call it like Real Housewives of Atlanta when you're watching it sometimes without that temperature that Nini brings. Yeah. I, I think, um, I know there's been like a push to kind of start retiring the OGs. I wouldn't mind seeing um, I wouldn't mind seeing that come for Kyle and Beverly Hills, but um, I feel like you can't retire a, st- a city staple until you've anointed who can like carry that mantle. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think Bravo's learned how to do that. I don't think they've learned how to pass the torch. They don't know. They, they don't build know. a they, they build an entire franchise around one character pretty much, and then there's not really any room or or the audience isn't like there for somebody else. It's it seems almost impossible to do. It's like kind of like a, a a TV show, like a sitcom. Once the star is gone, that's the end of the show. So you just yeah. do a whole show, and I think that's kind of what it is. Oh. My final thought is. I love Tiffany's umbrella hat <laughs> because it showed exactly how nerdy she is and why she probably didn't have a lot of friends in high school, but I found it endearing and I love that she had two different sizes and that she was serious about that shit. Loved it. Yeah. Tiffany sun and moon. <laughs> and my <laughs> final thought is also about Dallas. I really liked Deandra this season and her driving made me laugh out loud. And it didn't hurt that she looked beautiful doing it. So good. I was cackling. <laughs> Full tables just <laughs> falling to the ground. She's like, Whoa! it was so good. That's what happens. It was so good. Like a cartoon. <laughs> it was great. So, Anthony, before you go, do you want to let everyone know one more time where they can follow you, where they can listen to you? Sure. You can find me on Instagram at Anthony Lario, A-N-T-H-O-N. Wait, I can't spell my name. (laughs) A-N-T-H-O-N-Y, L-A-R-I-O. And you can find the Shit Show podcast where you listen to podcasts. And thanks, guys, for having me on. This was very cathartic, actually. Good. I'm ready to take my Xanax and go. To- <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we could be that for you. Happy to give <laughs> you that service. Yeah, we had a great time. <laughs> yeah, great. thank you. And to everyone listening, Cynthia Bailey has been motorboated. Know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably happening right now. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the show, be sure to visit buymeacoffee.com backslash know that pod. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at KnowThatPod. You can follow me, Anthony, uh, at Anthony F. Casella on Instagram. And you can follow me at RealDonnyWood on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me, Quinn, at Quentin Lamar on Twitter. Continue to listen and subscribe for free to Know That A Real Housewives podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. 